From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Thanks for listening and being a part of The Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. And it is Friday, a day I called Fabulous Friday because no matter what the weather, it is always fabulous. You get a chance to have a bit of a rest over the weekend. Although nowadays it's not like it was. A lot of people have to work. They've got second jobs. They've got jobs that entertain them over the weekend. So whatever it is, enjoy it whatever you're doing. Now, it's a hot summer's day where I am broadcasting from. That is Sydney, just gone 3pm, about 28 degrees outside, hot, sunny, beautiful, just gone 8pm in LA, just gone 11pm in New York City. In London, where it's just gone 4am, it's minus four, but according to the weather forecast, it feels like minus eight. And uh, I have great sympathy for you. If you've just woken up at 4 a.m. to make an early start on the day and you're listening to TNT and you think to yourself, do I have to? I get it. I get it. Shortly, the most remarkable speech by a political leader ever delivered to the global authoritarian elites at the World Economic Forum. Javier Millet is my new champion. The Argentinian president is just a champion of all people. He socked it to them, gave it to them, bashed them up, you might say, and I'll play for you why it's created such a storm. My special commentator in this edition is former Democrat supporter and LA actress, Natalie Beisner. First time for Nat in 2024. We'll talk about Javier's confronting lesson to the WEF. We'll see what she makes of that. The UFC fighter who took on a very woke journalist because the journalist was getting stuck into him for his views on LGBTQI issues. And more evidence of secret US government spying on anything related to Trump, including some of you who might be one of his supporters. What sort of Twisted authoritarian government has been created in the USA. It is appalling. It is disappointing. Natalie will fly into all of that shortly on the program. From Down Under today, two of my favourite contributors, although don't let the other members of the team know that, just between you and I, New South Wales MP John Ruddick and women's rights activist Miss Giggle herself, Sally Grover, will be on the program. Now, John is very fired up about Trump haters, He wants to have something to say about all this fear-mongering that our kids are being screwed up by in school when it comes to climate change and the supermarket chains. In particular, Woolworths in Australia, the wokeness has begun to kill them. And Sal will discuss some of the latest news related to entitled transgender people and how the courts are running a mile from making a decision on these issues. Plus, if it breaks in news, that's part of our charter here as well. We'll be right across it for you. And if you want some free airtime, anything free has got to be good in most cases. But certainly when it comes to TNT, it is because it's a chance for you to express your opinion. Have your say. Get it off your chest. Tell us what we should be talking about. Do so on our talkback lines. And you can call in from the United States or Canada on one eight 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 two zero one six four two five. You can do so even if you have to stay in bed on a cold Friday morning. UK zero double three 
0024-104-1026 and from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. You're with Chris Smith. We're broadcasting live on the Global News Talk Network. It is TNT. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, a cyclone has swept through the Swiss Alps this week and created a deal of mayhem at the World Economic Forum in Davos. This natural powerhouse shook up the elite membership of the WEF and came in the form not of a natural disaster, but of the newly elected Argentinian president, Javier Millet, my new champion. Yes, Javier shocked the Davos elite with a very pointed speech, it couldn't be more pointed, that sounded awfully like a deliberate dig, a bashing, if you like, of the socialist and interventionist culture ethos in the WEF. They deserve it, of course. His first target were powerful socialists, who he said had demonised capitalism, which is a proven way of lifting people out of poverty. Now, given that most members of the elite WEF would be veiled socialists, some quite publicly socialists, well, they must have been squirming in their seats. So how come that um, academia, international organisations, uh, economic theory and uh, politics demonise an economic system that has not only lifted out of extreme poverty 90% of the world's population, but has continued to do this faster and faster, and this is morally superior and just. Thanks to free trade capitalism, um, it is um, to be seen that the world is now um, living its best moment, never in all of mankind's or humanity's history has there been a time of more prosperity than today. This is a true for all. The world of today has more freedom, is rich, is more peaceful and prosperous. Now, I don't know about peaceful, but we'll just put that aside and let him have that one. He spoke glowingly about freedom and said free countries were 12 times richer than repressed countries. 12 times. And even the poorest 10% of a free country were better off than 90% of the population of a repressed one. They are no-brainer statistics. And then for the new Marxists who were present in the room, in the hall, such as WEF founder and executive chairman Klaus Schwab, he delivered the harsh truth. Neo-Marxists have managed to co-opt the uh, common sense of the Western world, and this they have achieved by appropriating the uh, media, culture, universities, and also international organizations. The latter case is the most serious one, probably, because these are institutions that have enormous influence on political and economic decisions of the countries that make up the multilateral organizations. Fortunately, there's more and more of us who are daring to make our voices heard, because we see that if we don't truly and decisively fight against these ideas, the only possible fate is for us to have increasing levels of state regulation, socialism, poverty, and less freedom, and therefore uh, will be um, having worse standards of living. Oh, how brilliant is that? And the institutions that he was referring to, well, one of them, and one that would be in the top three, would be the institution he was staring at, 
the WEF. And, you know, that's exactly what the WEF has been up to for at least 40 years, extolling neo-Marxist mantra, intervening in personal freedoms and attempting to control governments, attempting to control you. And then came his fiery conclusion for those present again who lived and worked off the state, which would have been, I would probably hazard a guess of about 80% of those present who live and work off the state. In an undisguised backhander, Millet gave the elites of the WEF a mighty personality assessment. Do not be intimidated, intimidated either by the political class or by parasites who live off the state. Do not surrender to a political class that only wants to stay in power and retain its privileges. Parasites, yes, parasites. He was actually referring to them, those watching him delivering his speech. That's courage for you. That's that's what needs to be said. That's what needs to be told, especially to that mob. Bang, cop that. Now, a writer from the AFR described the libertarian's words as one of the most remarkable speeches a political leader has ever delivered to the jet-set conclave of the World Economic Forum. Well said. It was. It's rare that the WEF is stupid enough to get someone to teach them a lesson. They usually get people who agree with them, but they got caught out this time. By the way, just for the record, the Argentinian president flew to Davos, not on a private Learjet like most of the WEF globalists. Oh, no. He travelled on a commercial flight. This fellow is my new champion. He clearly leads by example. I hope Argentinians know that they have a great man on their side. This is TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics. And whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help their population. populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes. But I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored news. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Well, in 2023, the GOP presidential nominee frontrunner Donald Trump did his very best to ignore 
his fellow Republican candidates. Uh, occasionally, Ron DeSantis revved him up and he played a role in all of that, but not much, not much at all. He ignored them. He didn't even turn up to debates, but not anymore, apparently. First, it was Vivek Ramaswamy, and this week, Nikki Haley was in his sights. On Wednesday evening, Trump didn't hold back in his comments on Haley. Now, her campaign's funded by Democrats, he said, and if Haley wins, Biden wins. And I would have thought that's a reasonable argument. There are individuals there that are having what we say sometimes is $2 each way. Now, Haley attempted to get in front of Trump's rally earlier in the day by releasing a new digital ad. Clever in some ways, uh, noting all the instances that Trump himself praised her when she was working within his administration. Clever. Well, kind of, except for the storm that followed. Let's bring in our guest live from LA to discuss this and much more. Natalie Jean Beisner is a political content creator, former Hollywood actress, atheist and long li lifelong liberal who walked away from the Democrats party in 2020. She's now a conservative Christian and passionately pro-life. Natalie Beisner, welcome back to TNT and happy new year. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you back. Great to hear from you. I can see you're quite active on social media and uh, I encourage my viewers to go and uh, hunt you down, as it were, and look at what you're contributing to some of the big issues because it's really interesting. And firstly, um, what do you make of Javier Malay's comments at the World Economic Forum? He's effectively called most of those who were in that hall or that venue listening to him, he was effectively calling them parasites. Yeah, uh, I've heard it compared to Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globe a few years back, just kind of <laughs> handing it to everyone in the audience. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it was surprising to me. I mean, he got a very warm welcome by Klaus Schwab, and I am cautiously optimistic about Millet. Um, I know that he's friendly with Zelensky, and they've shared a long, intimate hug and, and secret whisperings and that type of thing. Uh, but I like everything that he says. And um, I thought I, it seemed as though he went into the belly of the beast and basically, like you said, uh, tore into the people who were there uh, speaking about how you shouldn't be intimidated by the political class. And they're the parasites who live off the state. And the state <laughs> is actually... Uh, the enemy, you know, not the savior here. Um, and I couldn't agree more with everything he said. I thought he had a sort of a poor translator. Could have been a little more dramatic of a of a translator. Yes, the translator like was very bland, wasn't she? Yes, yes, yes. And he seems more of a, a dramatic type of uh, guy so far from what I've seen of him. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was awesome. You know, like I said, cautiously optimistic. Apparently, he wants to, to convert to convert to Judaism. Uh, even though Argentina is 89% Christian. So mm. some things there that I, you know, I'm not totally sure about. Is he too good to be true, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm excited for Argentina. I know that they needed this. And um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that it's all, everything he says is, is true. Someone described him as a, an amateur crazy professor. And there's a little bit of truth in all of that, especially the way he delivers 
what he says, although yes. because the translator was so bland, we didn't get a feel <laughs> for all of that. But I wonder what Klaus Schwab was expecting. I'm sure that he was expecting a, a pro-capitalist. I'm sure that he was expecting someone who's pushing for a free market economy. I don't think, though, that he was expecting someone who disliked and was prepared to enunciate exactly what he felt about those who live and work off the state and have a go at the WEF and their interventionist kind of approach to the world. They couldn't have possibly expected that that was coming. I assume no, but I, I don't know. You know, so I guess I've learned to be a bit jaded of what actually is going on here. Uh, I wonder if they would have like pulled him off the stage if it was really, really <laughs> I was so, that. so egregious. I was looking I mean, either yes. side of him. Honestly, yeah. And it's funny because the WEF YouTube channel has the comments turned off for the speech. I don't know if they have all their comments turned off on every video, but it definitely was for this speech. So I don't know if that if that says anything. I didn't um, know that. I didn't yeah. know that. That just adds to the intrigue. They yeah. probably, you know, deeply gulped after about 60 seconds and then thought, well, we've got to do something about it. Well, we can't take him off stage. Let's stop the comments just in yeah. case the public agree <laughs> with him and don't agree with us. Right, exactly. Uh, but I mean, I think I take it right now as another cultural win. I think I think we're winning. I know I've said it before on the show. I think we're winning. Okay, there's a bit of positivity there we can take from all of that. Now, Donald mm -hmm. Trump held a rally in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, on Wednesday. At that rally, he didn't hold back in attacking Nikki Haley. As I said, it was first it was Vivek, and now it's Nikki. Have a listen to this. The people behind Nikki Haley are pro-amnesty, they're pro-China, they're pro-open borders. You know, she wants open borders, don't kid yourself. Pro-war, and they're pro-Biden, because those are the people that are sending them. Biden people are coming in, they have Biden stuff, and they're coming in to register and to, to vote in your primary. It is crazy. You got to get that changed. We're going to take it. If we weren't popular, how do you win, where everybody's allowed basically to come and vote? The enemy, which let's say in this case, until it's over, because you know the whole country is going to unify by its success. When we're successful, the country is going to be unified. We are going to unify our country through success. But right now, we don't want Democrats voting in the Republican primary, Sununu. Sununu ought to do that instead of walking around with Nikki Haley and her polls go down every day. The radical left Democrats are supporting Nikki Haley because they know she's much easier to beat than Trump. And you know what? If she weren't, they wouldn't be doing it. Well, if she wasn't doing okay, he wouldn't be doing that, Natalie. No. Uh, no, I think because she's sort of creeping into second place, he'll probably attack her a lot more often. I, for one, was disappointed when he attacked Vivek, but that's also Trump for you. And then the next night they were making nice on stage, you know, yes. which is also Trump for you. It's politics, but it's definitely Trump. He's just going to be Trump. Um, you know, I think I agree with Rand Paul that we should all be banding together to make sure Haley is not the nominee. Um, I'm a Trump supporter, but I'd gladly take DeSantis or really almost anyone who claims to be GOP other than Haley. I will never vote for Haley. If Trump has her as his uh, VP, I would not vote for Trump in that case. And I actually think, I, I, I don't know, it's a little conspiratorial. I think the Democrats want Haley in, not because they think that Biden will beat her, but because they know that Biden uh, can't win. And I think that for all intents and purposes, Haley is a Democrat. I mean, she's not, she's certainly not an America first populist. 
I guess you could call her a Republican, but what does that mean? She's not a conservative. I mean, she's for parental rights in being able to trans your children. Uh, she was for the BLM George Floyd riots that burned down half the cities in 2020. Yeah. I mean, she's for the Ukraine war. I think we may get into World War III if we're not there already, um, if she takes the White House. Uh, you know, she's pro-amnesty for illegals, so I'm not really sure how much daylight there is between Nikki Haley and, and Democrats. <laughs> and I think that they want her in uh, because I think that they have no one else to run uh, and it can't be Biden and it can't be Harris. And so I, I really do think it's a it's sort of a conspiracy to get her to be the nominee and to have her take the White House. And New Hampshire is an open primary, so you don't have to be registered Republican to vote. And apparently 40 percent of those voting uh, will not be Republican. And so there's a very good chance that she could win New Hampshire. And uh, Tucker laid it out really well in a segment. You know, Trump could be in prison. Uh, DeSantis may drop out soon after, you know, several losses. And yep. then Haley gets the nomination by default. And I think she'll actually go on to take uh, the White House. I don't think they think she can beat uh, Biden, but I think they want her in. Wow. What a story. What? Like, <laughs> what? What? a Like, that would just be incredible. Although everything that's occurred leading up to this campaign has been incredible anyway. It's almost been mm -hmm. surreal. Um, but, you know, Trump, when I think back at what Trump said about Nikki Haley, um, it's sour grapes because, you know, He's seeing her rise and rise, and he probably appreciates what you have said in that Democrats may see her as a better alternative if they have to not vote for Biden. I get all of that. So there's time now for him to get stuck into Nikki Haley. But he's right about how soft she is on borders. That last debate, re, um, you know, illustrated how soft she is on borders. So none of that will change if she were to get into power. And some of her donors are uh, having you know, $2 each way, they're actually donating as well to the Biden camp. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're right, Trump's right. Um, however, the more noise I hear about Nikki Haley, the more I see someone on the rise. And it would be an incredible story that she would become the first female president of the United States. Wow. No, thank you. We've already talked about this. I don't want a female at all. And I sure as heck don't want it to be Haley. Uh, to me, she may as well be Hillary. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I think well, who Trump's knows? Hillary might come back. It's not too late. I, well, that's true. I don't think Trump needs to be worried about Haley, but I think he sees her rising. I think DeSantis has been a huge disappointment. And so she's going to feel the heat as as the person in number two. And she has huge Democratic donor. Reed Hastings or Reed Hoffman of, of LinkedIn, I think it is, um, is one of her biggest donors. And he has uh, right. supported Gavin Newsom, et cetera. Yes. So this is somebody you how many Democratic donors does does Trump have really? You know, yeah. so this is somebody who I really think uh, exemplifies the uniparty. And I believe that they believe it's their only chance to sort of keep the White House under control for the establishment. Whatever the outcome, it's fascinating. Now, Kelly mm -hmm. has said in our chat box, which uh, all our viewers and listeners can be involved in on TNTradio.live, Pelly has said uh, in reference to Malay, we need leaders like Javier Malay all across the world to save mankind from this left woke bullshit that has taken over the world. And he's also said, wait for it, Nat, Natalie Beisner for president. <laughs> no, I'm You're disqualified. Running? You won't run? Never, okay. never, no. All right. At Thank the you, port, though. 
Uh, thank you very much, Pelly. At the Portsmouth rally, Trump pledged to protect Americans from government tyranny, saying, as your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. He has just earned a lot of votes from making that simple statement, hasn't he? Yeah. And I think it's great that this is becoming more and more mainstream, this idea of CBDC. It used to be something that only kind of odd people like us, or maybe me, uh, <laughs> odd. used to know about conspiracy theorists, you know, what's coming down the pike. But that is a way for the government to control all purchases uh, to eventually implement a social credit score. I mean, it's, it's so obvious. And, you know, we just heard this week that uh, the federal government was asking for financial institutions to spy on people who had purchases under MAGA or Trump or even just Bibles. Yeah. Uh, so we are obviously moving away from a cash society and they, the government in charge of a digital currency would be absolutely just the beginning of the end if we're not already there yet. So sure uh, would. I'm glad that Trump said that. Absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of the digital currency, it's interesting. I, I really am convinced exactly the way you are that this has now become the majority view. Uh, it looks controlling. It feels controlling. It sounds controlling and it probably is controlling. And look, some people might think it's an easier way to run the state. Well, I'm sorry, they better find easier ways to run the state because as soon as they want to stop me electronically from using my my money, my very small wealth, uh, in the way that I prefer to use it, and they will if it's electronic, well, I'm sorry, I will find the nearest country that doesn't have that rule because that's my money, it's not the government's. It's not tax, exactly. it's savings. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we all need to keep an eye on that. So that you, was we, good on Trump. Sure do. Well done, Donald Trump, for doing and saying such a thing. We'll take a break and come back after the news with Natalie Beisner. Plenty more to talk about, including what she just said about, um, you know, secret spies, government spies looking at whoever and whatever relates to MAGA and also Trump. It's just like what sort of authoritarian culture has been created in America in the last five years. It is just oppressive. We'll come back and speak with Natalie just in a second on TNT. Okay, everybody, listen up. Big news. Big news. For real big news. Here we go. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. After taunting congressional leaders for weeks and crying foul to the press, the US president's son, Hunter Biden, has reluctantly agreed to testify in private next month as part of the House's impeachment investigation into his father. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's confirmed he wants to seize control of Gaza once the war ends, and US Congress has passed another short-term funding bill preventing a government shutdown until at least March. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. I've got Natalie Beisner with me. Now, you have already mentioned this in your last answer, but House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan posted a letter on X this week. I don't think we keep we need to keep saying that X was Twitter, do we? We'll just... For 2020, yeah. yeah, 2024, <laughs> come on, New Year, get rid of Twitter, it's called X. <laughs> Pointing to evidence that the US government has secretly asked banks to flag private transactions, including MAGA or Trump purchases 
of Bibles. How alarming is this? Very alarming. I can't think of a time in history when a government was making a, a list of its own citizens and uh, it ever ended well. Uh, and I don't think they're going to come after, you know, people who make these purchases necessarily unless they were somewhere within a 100 mile radius of D.C. in January 6th. But I think that it is a goal, like we just talked about with CBDC, to keep track of these people and to make their lives continually, you know, five, 10 percent harder. It's like when we saw the vaccine passports in places like Los Angeles uh, to keep track of these people and just make your life that much harder and, until you comply. Um, and we know that B of A was, uh, they were told to track gun purchases. Um, and I probably shouldn't disclose this, but I, I bank with B of A, sadly, and I also have firearms I bought. So I'm probably on a list somewhere. Uh, and I don't, I don't see how this ends well. There's there's really no reason for them to be doing this. And I think we should all be keeping an eye on the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Obviously, something you don't hear about as often, but seems to be every bit as awful as the FBI and everything else. But your possession of firearms is so intrinsically constitutional, it should never be put into question, unless, of course, you are showing signs of, you know, severe and extreme mental illness. Um then it becomes a point, I guess. But, you know, you can focus on the mental illness, not on the gun, surely. I would hope so. I mean, I have to push back a little bit there. I think that um, unless you have committed a crime, and even then, I don't know that felons should have their right to a gun taken away after they've done their time. And until you have committed a crime, I think you have the constitutional right to to own firearms. And this idea that we would look out for markers of mental illness, I think it, it stops people from seeking treatment for fear that guns will be taken away. Uh, but yeah, certainly you're absolutely right in the U.S and across the West, really, uh, we're not focusing on the mental illness. We're affirming kids as the opposite gender and you're born in the wrong body and then blaming the gun. So until we stop doing that, <laughs> I don't want to hear anything at all about guns ever again. And we don't arm teachers. Uh, we don't have armed guards at, at schools, at most schools. Uh, these are obvious problems that we could, solutions we could implement before we start continuing to take away constitutional yeah. rights, which we've already done in America with the guns uh, because it's already been heavily infringed upon. Yeah, there are several states, just while we're on this subject, because it's a very, very wide subject to dive into. But I want to pick up on something you said in terms of what states do with teachers and guns. There are several states, and I made the point when I first came back on air for 2024 that there are tra they are training certain teachers in the skill of being able to you know use a weapon properly in a defensive situation, uh, use a weapon, um, hopefully not, but in the event of an attack within a school area. And some of these teachers, of course, have to agree to this. Some of them have. And so, therefore, the district board has agreed that they would be trained in the case that they had all of a sudden uh, come under attack. I don't think that that is such a bad thing, because if we just think that somehow monitoring people with extreme mental illness is a way of stopping attacks, gun attacks, knife attacks in schools, 
Uh, we live in fairyland, Natalie. Yes. And then very quickly, it'll be, well, who determines what is a mental illness? You know, gender dysphoria was a mental illness. It is still, but is no longer classified as one. Yeah. Uh, but just as recently as 10 years ago, it was. So uh, pretty soon will it be voting for Trump is, is a, a mental illness. Um, but absolutely, I'm so happy to hear that teachers are being armed. Most guns or most schools are gun-free zones. And if you want to wreak havoc, uh, the first place you would go would probably be a gun-free zone. That just makes sense Yeah. Uh, as a mass shooter. Yeah, I raised the example of what's happening in Indiana at the moment, and it seems to be a, be a very controlled, um, uh, not experiment, it's a very controlled first plan, and it involves a lot of skilled educators uh, teaching some very important lessons to teachers who, of course, usually give out the lessons. Now, moving off that, we will get to that subject another day too. But now you've been posting about UFC fighter Sean Strickland. I didn't know you were a UFC fan, Natalie. I don't know anything about UFC. I think he has a fight this Saturday that I may or may not watch, but I've never seen one in my life, to be honest. Uh, well, you're starting to get interested anyway. Now, <laughs> he's had this exchange with a reporter, and the reporter was criticising his stance on LGBTQI issues. What happened? Uh, well, uh, Sean was brutally honest. Who's? I mean, he's a UFC fighter. UFC is now sponsored by Bud Light, ironically, which had the big controversy <laughs> with Dylan Mulvaney, which I think is kind of rich now that, that they're paying <laughs> these guys to basically say. And he was harsh. And some people think he's too harsh. I, I don't think he was. I, to me, the reporter, it was hard to hear whether it was one or multiple, uh, but they were being tools kind of. And if they don't want the answer, just ask him about fighting. You know, he's a fighter. Ask him about fighting. Don't ask yes. him about all this woke stuff unless you want to hear the answer. The guy's a fighter. Uh, he's clearly a fighter behind the microphone as well. Personally, I think we need more men like him. He said that wokeness is an infection and that the people who support it, like the reporter, are, are the enemy. And I absolutely agree with that. He said 10 years ago, gender dysphoria was a mental illness. And he's he's not wrong. And, and I, I got a lot of pushback oh, from Christians. Oh, it's too harsh. It's too this and that. I'm sorry. These people will stop at, at nothing. And I think that we need to kind of grow a pair as conservatives or libertarians or just sane, non-woke people and, and say it like it is. That's the first time I've heard a female on... A media entity say some people need to grow a pair. I'm yeah, encouraged. Well, I'm it's encouraged. 2024. You know, anyone can grow a pair now. It's uh, yeah, no, become, I can. So <laughs> apparently. Um, Bud Light, though, how hypocritical of Bud Light that they would head in the in one direction when it comes to, you know, catering for transgender. Uh, entitlements and access, and then they get burnt so badly that they head off in completely the different direction. <laughs> yeah. And I know a lot of people didn't like that uh, Dana White did that deal. I don't love it. But you know what? At the end of the day, Bud Light is paying these guys and they're out there saying this. Strickland's out there saying this. Uh, Bud Light never apologized, but I don't think we're ever going to get an apology. And it's harder for people to boycott UFC than it is for them to boycott Bud Light. So it was pretty smart on Bud Light's part. And uh, I don't know. Now they're paying for these guys to say that <laughs> wokeness is a virus. 
Yes. How funny. It's just so hypocritical. All of a sudden, their morals have gone out the out the window and they've come up with a new set of morals. But yeah. but but maybe they've also just detected who their audience is, who their cu- customer is, their consumer, mm-hmm. and they're just, just acting like a, a retail beer giant should. Yeah. And I also don't think they ever cared about transgenderism. I don't think I think I don't think most companies care about this wokeness thing. I think they just say it uh, because they know they'll get in more trouble if they don't. And that's what conservatives need to build is that uh, a company may not agree with me, may not agree with Christianity or conservatism, but they should start saying these things, flying the American flag uh, because they'll get in more trouble if they don't. That is something we need to build. I don't need the CEO to absolutely agree with me on everything, but they should be afraid to not fly the American fra- flag and afraid of us in the same way that they were afraid of the woke. Cause I don't think Bud Light ever cared about Dylan or transgenderism i think they were just trying to float on with what they thought was the most popular thing you have nailed it it is their fear and suspicion that if they don't go down that woke track uh, mm-hmm. they'll somehow be criticized that's all it is they're just um well they're scaredy cats now uh lou has sent me a message on the chat box and lou is obviously a ufc um aficionado mm-hmm. lou has said sean strickland is a legend that reporter journo is a wanker. Only two effing genders exist, man and woman. Okay. Dylan, uh, come to Australia and I'll prove to <laughs> you. I'll re- No, no, you can't say that, Lou. You can't say that, even on this particular okay. network. No, no, no. We don't want to say that. But okay. he's going to shove them up his nose. No, no, no. Let's not go okay. there. But we understand what you're trying to say, Lou. Yeah. Uh, Sean Strickland stood up for what he believed in. Uh, and his facts about those with gender dysphoria were worth saying because it makes a very good point. All of a sudden, something that had, uh, you know, tentacles into mental illness, all of a sudden is forgivable. It's not it's not something that uh, carries an illness. Well, that's not what psychiatrists and psychologists are saying, right? Well, sadly, uh, they are saying that nowadays. S- some of them, yeah. They're paid to, yeah, many of them. But it's it's just not the truth. The science hasn't changed. Uh, there, it's meaningless to say you were born in the wrong body. That implies that there's a, a right body that you somehow missed. I mean, what does it even mean? These people don't believe in God, and yet they must because you seem to claim, claim that your soul somehow ended up in the wrong body, you know? So it's, it's incoherent. It's not scientific. There's no studies to suggest that this treatment lowers suicidal ideation. This group remains to have the highest suicide rates both before and after treatment. So I mean, it needs to stop. It's it's happening to children, and yeah. it's terrible. You and I have discussed it before. It's it's disgusting, and I think we need more men like Strickland. Yeah, there's a hospital, a, ver- a leading leading Australian hospital, who are going down the track of pro gender transitioning for three year olds and plus. And I have had experts on this program pillaring what they're doing. Uh, eminent doctors pillaring what they're doing, and they're still doing it. And we'll um, we'll be talking about that that issue in the second hour of the program. Uh, one last one: Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected the notion of Palestinian statehood in a news conference on Thursday, claiming it would endanger the state of Israel. Have a listen. In the future, the state of Israel have to control 
on the entire area from the river to the uh, sea. This is what happens when you have sovereignty. This truth I say to our American friends, and I also stopped the attempt to impose us a reality that will jeopardize us. A prime minister in Israel has to be able to say no, even to the best of friends, to say no when you need to and to say yes when you can. Now, none of this is new. Uh, he was making statements about this back in 2015, Netanyahu, but he is pitting Israel directly against ally the United States at a time when push is coming to shove, Natalie. Uh, yeah, you know, I I admit that this is not my area of expertise. I've received a lot of pushback for for not wholeheartedly standing with Israel. Uh, but I had it on good authority that saying that was a genocidal phrase. Uh, Elon Musk said it is and that it won't be tolerated on X. So I'm not sure why uh, Israelis can say it or at least uh, Netanyahu and and other people can't. Uh, and, you know, at this point, allegedly 24,000 uh, Palestinians have been killed. In my opinion, uh, there are innocent Palestinians, uh, including women or at the very least children. I understand these are children who are uh, indoctrinated to hate. But in my view, they're still children. And until they commit some kind of crime, they are children. And uh, the ideal situation would be to not kill children and to be able to get them out of the situation where they're being indoctrinated. I don't know what the answer is. I just don't want America involved. But it's interesting to me that if he says he can say no to our American friends when he has to, I want to know because he's saying no directly to Biden, whose Biden has asked him to scale down the attacks and that uh, Palestinian state should should be on the table after the war's over. Uh, I want to know why America can't say no to him. I'm sorry if that's unpopular, but if he can sit there and say no to America, uh, why can't we say no to him? Because I still don't want America involved. And I'm very confused why one side can say from the river to the sea, uh, but the other side cannot. Yeah, it's a and good point. It's a good think- point. But, but, but if Israel are going to stand in this way, they are standing not only against the United States, they are standing against the rest of the world. There will be few countries once this war has ceased that will say that a two-state solution is not something that should be attempted. And Israel will be on its own. Yeah. And I understand it's been attempted before. And and from my understanding, Palestine has repeated, you know, Hamas has repeatedly said no. So I get all that, but I, I don't really know, you know, uh, what what the answer is here and, and what I'm supposed to do. And it seems like Netanyahu is trying to cover his rear uh, because October 7th, in my opinion, uh, was a huge oversight on his behalf. I don't understand how it happened. Still, Israel has such a um, highly secured border more than almost anywhere in the world. And suddenly this was allowed to happen. I'm not saying he allowed it to happen, but it did happen under his watch. And it seems as though he's now just trying to scramble around and and cover his own uh, rear instead of maybe being realistic uh, and standing with the U.S. who's trying to stand with them. I don't know. You see, what it also tells me is that I don't think Netanyahu is confident that he can remove Hamas because if Hamas is removed, doesn't that remove most of the threats that Israel would face, that is a military operation connected to the Palestinian people, connected to the Gaza Strip, um, that could cause another terror attack 
on Israeli's territory, Israeli territory. So if Hamas is removed, what's your problem in the Palestinian Authority running that part of uh, the Middle East? I just think it's also an admission that he won't, that he can't remove Hamas and Hamas will always be there pulling the strings. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. And that that could that could be the case. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. All right, Natalie, fantastic to catch up. Um, and you made some very, very good points, especially oh, about you. where where Trump is coming from and uh, where he's coming from in reference to Nikki Haley. Watch this space because Nikki's one of these uh, people that don't back down in a fight. So this could be a ding dong battle. We'll see how it plays out. Thank you so much for your time. We'll catch up soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Natalie Beisner from LA. Love her input into the program because, you know, the way she comes at certain issues is different from many of the commentators that I have on this program and some of the commentators that you might hear on uh, elsewhere on TNT. She comes at it from uh, a Christian point of view fundamentally and then from a practical point of view, you don't need the United States playing sheriff or being involved in what's going on in the in the Middle East. Now, she only made a small point of that, but it's uh, essentially what I think most Americans would prefer. And it's a point rarely made in this discussion about what's going on there at the moment. Okay, let's take a break and then let's hear what you have to say. There's plenty of material to jump on there. If you want to phone in from the um, United States or Canada, do so right now. One eight 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 two zero one six four two five. What do you think about Netanyahu saying no? There'll be no two-state solution. Now, if you're a if you're a Jew and you think that Netanyahu is making the right decision, mount your argument right here, live on the radio from the UK. You can call on zero double three double zero two four one zero two six, and from Australia or New Zealand, one eight hundred six seven zero three one zero. Let's take a break. This is Chris Smith on TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. In a contemptuous display of contumacy, just begging for a beatdown, Hunter Biden went to Capitol Hill today with the express purpose of mocking the impotence of the House Oversight Committee. Sitting in the first row of the visitors gallery at the Rayburn House Office Building hearing room, Hunter smirked and laughed openly as the Republicans gave voice to their impotent rage. Far from fearing a comeuppance, Hunter knows that he has nothing to fear even from a criminal referral for contempt of Congress. Why? Because that criminal referral is going to go to daddy's corrupt attorney general, Merrick Garland, and nothing will happen. That's exactly what's going to happen to all of these people. Nothing. No one is going to prison. No one is even going to have to stand trial except for Donald Trump. And that doesn't bother me one bit. Why? Because by extending their reach farther than their grasp, by overstepping the mark, and by their general hubris and arrogance, they are exposing who and what they really are to the world. And eventually, it will catch up with them. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor, creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful 
that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The voice of a changing world, Chris Smith, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, I got an email from Beryl overnight. Beryl is one of our most loyal listeners, but also is beginning to view us on her streaming platform. I don't know what the streaming platform is, but she's definitely seen the program because she writes, uh, it is the first time I have viewed you, <laughs> viewed you with your new image on your usual beautiful clean features. I guess she's talking about the growth that's on my chin and under my nose. Um, she writes, I'm sorry, Chris, I don't like it. Why in heaven's name, she writes, do men all go this way? It must take ages for them to get it right. Well, I don't know about getting it right, but it doesn't take me much to grow it. Um, it must take ages for that to happen. They persevere with it. I hope I'm spelling it okay. Sick of looking for the correct way, forgive me. You remind me of a new version of Fu Manchu. <laughs> Fu Manchu. Well, I actually have a great, great grandfather who looked like Fu Manchu. He was a, a Chinese man, deep in our ancestry. But anyway, I uh, digress. You remind me of Fu Manchu. Others resemble Bushmen of the 1800s. You know, the one, the famous one, Ned Kelly, all the best, keep well and fit. Well, listen, Beryl, I'll tell you what. I actually think, if I'm really honest with myself, that the whiskers that I'm Keeping on my face since I returned from a brief stint on holidays is just me trying to pretend that I'm half on holidays again. So I tell you what, because of that comment and a few other comments that have come in from outside the uh, radio network, I'll shave it off this weekend for you, Beryl, all right? And I'll return my, what do you describe it as? My usually beautiful, clean features. I don't know about that, but I will return what you recognise, all right? So this will all go. As a matter of fact, it's far too itchy. I don't know how men who have these things for long periods of time stand it. Itchy as hell. Can't stand it. Anyway, Beryl, you've made a difference. There you go. So that's all you've got to do. You contact us either via email or on the chat box or even better, on the talkback lines, and you can make a difference. You speak to the world and you get people to have a shave. So I'll do that over the weekend, Beryl. Thank you very much. Let's go to Glenn the Truckee, who's on our talkback lines. Glenn, welcome again. Chris, mate, don't shave it off. As a man with a Ned Kelly beard, please. <laughs> I've, so got, I've a got a mini Nick version of yours, have I? Yeah, yeah, mine's halfway down to my belly button, mate. And my daughter's told both their husbands, if our kid, kid's father doesn't have a beard, they've got two mothers. <laughs> <laughs> So both my son-in-laws had to grow kids growing up with two mothers. Ah, oh, that's funny. That's funny. How long have you had that for? 
I've always had facial hair. This beard that I've got now has taken 15 years to grow. Oh, isn't it too itchy though? No, no, washed, washed and conditioned every day, mate. And that makes it soft and that doesn't sort of, you know, curl I, in and stick into your skin? No, only gets itchy if it's dirty. If I wash and condition every day, mate, it's perfect. You know, see, I'm bald, so what I say is, if it, when I get it long enough, mate, I'm going to put it put it up on top in the bun and I'm going to, see, I'm growing a comb over from my face. <laughs> the ultimate comb over. Yeah, my wife calls it a face mullet. <laughs> she has a very good sense of humour. Well, she has to, to be married to me for 40 years, mate. <laughs> but you didn't call for that. No, I didn't, but please don't shave it off. Solidarity, brother. Stick it up. Oh, oh, no, I made a promise to Beryl. Come on, I ride bikes too, mate. I've got a Harley, the real bike. Come on, solidarity, brother. Oh, oh now I'm under pressure from all sides. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm a Middle Eastern peace correspondent. <laughs> as your last, as your last contributor said, my grower said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did too. Have you ever heard a female contributor say that on radio? Oh, mate, I love her. I reckon she's awesome. Grower said, keep the facial hair. <laughs> All right, I'll consider it. Anyway, I'll, I'll quickly touch on it, mate. Two state solution. How does that work? And and look. I'm honestly asking because if you defeat Hamas, you've still got a, a, a nation, I suppose you call it, Palestinian, the nation, of second and third generation people that have been indoctrinated to kill. So True. how do you have a two-state solution when that is such a deeply entrenched... And please, I'm not saying you can't have it, I'm asking how do you have it? when it's such a deeply ingrained hatred and bigotry that is generational, how do you have a two-state solution with that? No, I don't know. Otherwise, if I did know, I probably would be a billionaire because I'd have a solution to the Middle Eastern conflict and no president in history has been able to solve that one. Well, I, I just find it so flippant and so easy for people that don't have to put up with their next-door neighbours want to murder them to keep saying that they should have a two-state solution. If people are going to say that, tell me how you can actually make that work. And if you can... No, and that's why Netanyahu is holding out, precisely oh, based on what you're saying. Well, I would do exactly the same as Netanyahu. Israel mm. offered that many times for a two-state solution, and the answer they got was rockets raining down on, on them. Now... But that's under that's under the power and influence and um, threat and intimidation from Hamas. Yes, but if you take Hamas away, you still have a population of second and third generation people indoctrinated to hate. How do you hmm. fix that? Well, do I don't know, that? but if the world is calling for it, the world has to has to put in their skin, have to has to put skin in the game and play a role in ensuring that the two can live together. Well, see, I find it I find it disgusting that the world can just flippantly say you must do this when the world isn't faced with your next door neighbours want to shoot you in the face. Yeah, not you're not going to get an argument from me except 
it has to be on the table. It's got to be spoken about. It's got to be worked through. And if it can't be worked through, it can't be worked through. But it's got to be attempted. And that's what Anthony Blinken is saying to the Middle East. We've got to attempt to do this. But they've been attempting to do it for, what, the last 70 years? Yeah, yes, and but under, under, under Hamas and then prior to that, the PLA. And who, and, and who, who chose Hamas and the PLO to be their leadership? The Palestinians. So therefore it comes back to how the hell do you make this work? Hmm. Sometimes you just got to say it's a mad dog and put it down. Yeah, sometimes you got to say there's no solution. I'm hearing you. Glenn, thank you very much for your contribution and in particular in terms of... Hey. Thank you very much. All right, all right. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. I'm under pressure from Beryl and now Glenn. What am I supposed to do? Maybe you can help me. Give me a call on the open line and let me know. Got to take a break and then we'll come back. John Ruddick coming up and also Sally Grover as well. Two fantastic commentators right here at TNT.